What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rose, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith. He's Derek Terry. This is another jam-packed episode of the podcast, Eric. We're going to have some fun on here today. Yeah, it's mailbag day, uh, which is always very fun. Uh, got a couple other things. Had some news come out yesterday. So uh, even since we recorded last, which was, I don't know, probably around this time yesterday, uh some, some more hotly discussed details already in the world of U.K. sports. Speaking of hotly discussed, it is uh, Wing Wednesday at the Butcher's Pub, Pineville, Kentucky, Winsburg, Kentucky. You can get those wings hot. You can get all those delicious flavors that they have, the zombie wings. So make it out to the Butcher's Pub, those two locations, and a third location coming pretty soon to London, Kentucky. You can visit thebutcherspub.com, or you can check them out on Facebook. But the news that Derek is hinting at, Obviously, yesterday, I'm I'm getting ready to go somewhere, and Derek texts me this random message about Justin Powell from Auburn, and I hadn't been on Twitter in probably an hour and a half, so I didn't know what was going on. I'm like, what is Derek talking about? And then, of course, I get on Twitter, and that's the main topic yesterday is Kentucky native Justin Powell, who played 10 games at Auburn this season, is in the transfer portal. And it's a pretty big deal if you're a Kentucky fan. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, we're talking about a a kid who was already discussed a little bit earlier in the season just because he was off to a very good start at Auburn. Kentucky was struggling. People were saying, you know, why why hadn't John Calipari reached out to this kid? And, I mean, really you could ask, you know, why Louisville hadn't reached out to him either. He played high school basketball right around the Louisville area in Oldham County. Um, but, yeah, he's uh, he's someone we will be discussing. we got quite a few, I think multiple – uh, mailbag questions on Justin Powell, but when and it's we talk moved a pretty lot of, quick, right? I mean, Kentucky. I mean, it's moved pretty quick too. Like some of the mailbag questions are kind of old news now because it was will yeah. Kentucky be interested? And I think uh, KSR put it out that they had reached out. To, yeah, KSR and Travis Graff have both reported uh, that UK has been in contact with him, so he fits, right? I mean, he fits what they need. You're talking about a, a guard who shot. Uh, which he played 10 games, like you said, so he didn't play a full season. He had a concussion, didn't play after January the 2nd. So he didn't really play – I think he only played two league games. He didn't really play too much in the SEC, but in the games he did play, 44% from three. And he did a little bit of everything. I mean, he 11.7 points, 6.1 rebounds, and 4.7 assists. So sounds like he's summoned UK once uh, to this point. And uh, if you go off some of the rumors or whatever, it seems like uh, seems like something that could legitimately happen. Yeah, and it, if that happens, it kind of changes everything we've been talking about for the last, what, few weeks where we say, I don't know if just all these guys coming back is going to immediately mean success next season. But when you can add a kid like that to your roster, it changes the way that you look at things moving to next year. It does for sure. And, you know, 
I had a friend of mine uh, last night who was talking about continuity and, and more or less implied that maybe we had discussed it too much, but too big of an emphasis, which is fair criticism, I say. But what I told him was, you know, I, I didn't – I don't say these things all year with the with the thought that a, a kid like this would go into the portal. And in football, we saw a lot of guys that maybe would surprise you who went into the portal. And I'm just going to have to assume that basketball will be the same way, that there will be some guys who – kind of make you raise your eyebrows if they go in and say, wow, that, that kid could be a really good fit. Realistically for Kentucky, in terms of what they need and this kid being from the state, I don't know that you're going to find a better fit realistically that goes into the portal, which is probably why you know Kentucky's already moving pretty quick on this one. Yeah, and, and continuity to me, we still expect them to have some continuity if they, if they get Justin Powell. I mean, we still expect – more guys coming back than normal. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to have to wait and see how all this shakes out. I mean, it, it depends. Is that the only guy that they get from the transfer portal if they take him? Did, you know, do they get someone else from the portal? Uh, something tells me, Derek, that the next six weeks is going to be pretty active. Whether Kentucky's playing basketball or their season's over, it's going to be a pretty active time to be following Kentucky basketball. It certainly doesn't seem like um... – yeah, I, I agree with that. Like, it's gonna be there's gonna be news, a lot, a lot of UK basketball news, no matter what happens and, in Nashville. Well, and two on on the continuity, I think the reason we spent so much time on it is we were having a hard time figuring out how the portal was gonna work. You know, with the one time transfer rule, we didn't know. Like, this is the first real look that we're getting at what it's gonna be like. There are guys going in the portal right now, Derek. That the postseason tournaments haven't even started in the major conferences, and the portal's full. And then you have rumors of other guys going in the portal that's still playing, just flying around out there. So I think that's the reason why we were we were so hung up on all these guys coming back because we didn't see – I guess you just couldn't look and assume that a Justin Powell was going to the portal. That surprised me. I didn't see that coming. I didn't like see how, how, like how, many, how many just clear, concise fits are there out there going in the portal? Like there's not just a Justin Powell every day just going in the portal that's a Kentucky kid that – could help immediately at a position Kentucky needs help. No, oh, yeah, you're dead on. I mean, he 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 was a name. I'll say that. Like you see, like I see some of these kids, you know, Jeff Goodman or um, anyone else who reports kids going to the portal. You'll see their stats, and you know, some of these kids are averaging, you know, 18 points per game. You know, pretty good numbers at whatever school they're at. But I've never heard of them. Whereas you know, with Pal, he was popping up on draft boards for 2022 already this year going into next year. So he's the kind of kid that uh, very likely wherever he transfers, he will end up getting drafted from that school. And that's not going to be the case for all these kids who are going to the portal. So he's no doubt going to be a top target for a lot of schools. I mean, I think a list that I saw included Louisville, Virginia, I think Duke, um, some other schools as well that, that were in there. So, yeah, he's going to be a highly coveted, highly coveted guy no matter who else goes into the portal. Yeah, absolutely. And on top of that news, there, there was some more news today. So 24-7 Sports released their, uh, their rankings for 2023, and Reed Shepard made his debut as a national nationally ranked recruit. I think he's at number 65. Uh, mm-hmm. Pretty big day. And I, I think that this is – these are two stories, Derek, that are, that are big not only for the state of Kentucky, but I think they're big for John Calipari. One, Justin Powell's in the portal. And they're and they're targeting. They're looking at him. If they get him, and then let's say you follow that sometime in the next year or so with a with an offer to Reed Shepard, an in-state kid, 
you kind of mend some of the things between John Calipari and the fan base when it comes to recruiting in-state talent. Like Kentucky fans could care less that Justin Powell went to Auburn for a season. As long as he ends up at Kentucky, it's a Kentucky kid. It's e- it's something easy to get behind and pull for. And I think this is a good thing if I think this is a good thing for John Calipari if these things are falling into place kind of right now. Yeah, and I think too with with Reed being considered a top uh, seventy five guy right now for that class, it pretty much tells you that he's at least you know it's one website. You know, it's the website I do work for, but it's one website viewing this kid as a – I mean, if you're a top 65 recruit, you're considered to be a national-type prospect. I mean, we've mentioned on here a few times, uh, I can only imagine, I would guess, two weeks into his summer circuit, he will have many Power 5 offers. I'm going to guess it's all schools are waiting on, is just to see him play against uh, some some more comparable talent, I guess you could say, to what he will be facing at the next level. So for him to already be ranked there – I mean, that puts you right in the range where you would think, you know, the way UK is recruited. They recruit, obviously, almost exclusively for, for a lot of Cal's tenure, you know, top 35-ish players. Not to say Reed couldn't eventually move up there, but he's at least going to be on the radar. I think that was higher ranked than than Jamal Baker, than Cam Fletcher, guys like that um, who who have, we've seen come to UK in the past few years. A couple other names to note in that 2023 rankings. Uh, DeWan Wagner Jr., who we talked about last week. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear my cat in the background going crazy. But uh, <laughs> Dewan Wagner Jr., he's, he held on to the top spot. He's considered a U.K. lean. So, for now, U.K. is looking at Lyndon, the number one player in that class. And then another kid from Kentucky who's not really getting talked about at all is uh, Caleb Glenn, who goes to Mel High School in Louisville. He's ranked uh, number 44, four-star prospect. So, he had offers. Uh, I don't think Louisville has offered him yet, but he had, like, Cincinnati, um, some schools like that that he's being recruited by. So, you know, UK has not signed anyone from Louisville, right? There's not been too many. David Johnson obviously went to Louisville. I'm trying to think of some other highly rated guys who who came out of the Louisville area. No, not really an area that Rondo was the last one, right? Yeah, it probably was. So, I mean, it's not really, it's not really a hotbed for Kentucky to recruit in. Um, so I don't really know where UK views him or whatnot. But just of note, if you're, I'm sure we have some listeners who, who live in Louisville. So he's in the top 45. You know, he's, he's, I guess, he's someone to watch for. Even if it's like UK recruiting him, it sounds like he will have a lot of options when it comes time to, to decide. Yeah, and, you know, we're talking about Pal, obviously, and then we added in the Reed Shepard stuff. But you and I have talked quite a bit about, you know, like, like you said, like the continuity with this roster. And we were kind of under the assumption that a lot of guys would return. And if they don't, and it's let's say that they lose more than half, I think we could, regardless of how any season goes and how guys look, we could finally just decide, look, there is no way people stay Kentucky long-term. If if this roster doesn't have a lot of guys sticking around next year, and we don't know who that's going to be, but we, we can expect some transfers. Look, if they're after if they're after Powell, you already have Nolan Hickman coming in. Devin Askew still currently on the roster. Obviously, Davion Mintz is an option. And we don't know what happens with B.J. Boston. Sorry, somebody's got to go. Yeah. I mean, that's just how it works. Dante Allen's still there. There's a crowded front court. And it's going to be exciting to kind of watch. It's going to be messy, I think, uh, over the next month or so. A lot's going to happen. But by the time we get to May, if a couple of dominoes fall the right way, Derek, the way that we're kind of expecting them to fall, 
John Calipari is going to show again why he's John Calipari. Yeah, there's some scenarios that if they play out, I mean, it, it could you could be talking about UK as a as crazy as it is to say, given the year they've had. I mean, a possible top, I'd say certainly top ten, being conservative if it breaks a certain way. So with that in mind, Sean, I wanted to play a little game we discussed before we um, came on here, and it's just uh, I don't have a name for this game. It's just basically I listed out five scenarios, and that I think are realistic. I wouldn't say them if I didn't think they could happen. I don't know. I don't know if I would call them likely, but possible. Um, some more than others. So with that in mind, Sean, I, I want to ask you these five scenarios. I'll list them all out, and I want you to rank from what you think is most important to least important out of these scenarios, and then we will compare. So if you're ready, I'll read these off to you. Okay, I'm going to write them down as you're reading them too. All right, so if you're ready, let's start with the first scenario I came up with. Davion Mintz returns for a sixth season at UK, or sixth season of college basketball, second at UK. So that's the first scenario. Second scenario, Justin Powell comes to UK for his sophomore year. Third scenario, and let me clarify this one after I read it as to why I included him. But the third scenario is Keon Brooks returns for his junior season. And I know people could say, well, Derek, uh, Keon Brooks is not listed in any mock draft. He's not a top 100 prospect. Where in the world would he go? Totally understand that. But I can name four guys right off the top of my head who had very little or no draft stock uh, who left after their sophomore year. Winning Gabriel, Hagens, Montgomery, and even Isaac Humphreys. Our man Isaac Humphreys even left uh, after averaging two points a game his sophomore Isaiah year. Isaiah Briscoe went to Estonia. Isaiah Briscoe, another one, yeah. So guys who, uh, you know, it's just it's kind of rare that guys stay more than two years at UK. So that's why Keon is on there. Um, so let's go to the next one, two left. So the next one, uh, Brandon Boston Jr. comes back for a sophomore season. And then the final one, and this one is a little bit more, um, I guess, it's a little bit harder to kind of figure out because it, it could mean different things to different people. But I, I said UK as an impact point guard from the transfer portal. And the person that I outlined for that, because I know this means different things to people, basically what, what I had in mind was an Ashton Hagens type, someone who is a good, solid college player, but not what I would consider an elite college guy. Because I think it's going to be hard to, to get an elite point guard to come to UK out of the transfer portal. Um, so Hagens is who I had in mind. Perhaps there could be some other comparisons, but what, what I'm trying to say is I don't think UK is going to get a Tyler Ulis, a De'Aaron Fox from the transfer portal. So you're, you're talking about so maybe someone slightly better than Davion Mintz, but not maybe not a first-team all-conference. So, so not a program changer, but maybe a game changer that could kind of – Yes. Yeah. So how are you wanting to, to order these? Well, I just want you to go through those, and we'll go one by one. But I would start with your number one out of all that, what you think would be the most important thing to UK success next season out of those scenarios. And, of course, they can build on each other. But Oh, man. For me, I went number one. I'll start. I went with B.J. Boston comes back. I think he's the – out of all the decisions that are going to take place here in a few weeks, I think his is the single most because I think he has true All-American potential. Um if he adds strength to his frame, which I think he will, and he settles in and he gets some more help from some guys around him, I think he could be the kind of guy that really has a special sophomore season. I I wanted to go that first, but I think for him to have a special sophomore season, 
there has to be one more thing in the fold, and you need a backcourt guy like Justin Powell who makes things easier. Uh, how much have we talked this year that if Kentucky had better point guard play, B.J. Boston would have benefited from it? Now, Davion Mintz appears to be a better option at point guard, but if you can get Powell, I think that that sets the table for a couple of more of these things to happen. So you're going Justin Powell number I'll one. I'll go Justin Powell number one. And we did not discuss each other's picks beforehand, so these are hopefully we get some different viewpoints here. So I don't I don't blame you going there. As a matter of fact, I had Powell at number two on my list. So I have Boston number one, and then I have Powell at number two. I think that a backcourt, you know, Powell, Powell played some point guard at Auburn. I don't think he's viewed, and I don't think at Kentucky he would be viewed as a primary ball handler. He would be someone who could do it for you if you needed him to. Um, but I think if you had your wings as Justin Powell and B.J. Boston next season, that is that is very strong. Well, that's where I was getting at, that it just makes life easier because you add another guy who can create. Uh, look at some of the numbers he had at Auburn this year with assist. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's – I mean, what what were those numbers, Derek? Cause he had how many games? He played in 10 games, and he had – he averaged four assists, but he had two games um, with nine assists, I believe. Let me see right here. Yeah, he had two with nine, and he had one game with eight. So, yeah, pretty pretty good. So it's, it's a guy that can obviously make plays for his teammates as well as shoot the ball. And the next one's going to be the the hard one for me. I, there's a sixth year of Davion Mintz. If you get this version of Davion Mintz, then, man, it's big time. But when you look at him and B.J. Boston, if B.J. Boston taps into what we all think he would will tap into at some point, you got to go B.J. Boston over Mintz, in my opinion. Just i, I got to go B.J. returns for a sophomore season. He has to. Like if, if that's if that's how it plays out, if you give me Justin Powell and B.J. Boston in the backcourt, I really like where, where Kentucky's season's going next year. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. So we we had number one and number two flip flopped. Um, I think this is where we might have some differences, which finally we already have had some differences. But I think uh, this was tough for me. But I, I actually went with Davion Mintz at uh, number three, and I know there are some out there who don't think Kentucky would would be at its best potential maybe I should say if they don't add a point guard whether it be Nolan Hickman as a starter or a grad transfer not 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 even a grad transfer just obviously with what we're seeing with the portal just a regular transfer could come in and and help next year but I, I like Mintz uh, I wouldn't hate it next year honestly if, if you had Powell in Boston I would not hate it if Mintz was the number one uh was playing the one I understand people who, who might not want that to be the scenario but even if Mintz is not playing point guard, if you go out and add somebody else, I still like what he brings to you um, at that point, probably as a bench option. Uh, just his experience, the the battles he's been through, I think he would be a, a great player to have back on next year's team. So that's why I went with him at number three. Oh, it's, it's between him and Keon. Uh, I'll go Keon Brooks at number three. Just – I think Keon could impact the game from a number of ways. Uh, he could easily play. He could play the three. He could play the four. We've seen his ability to rebound at a high clip this year. Uh, he's had some games where he's dished out quite a few assists. He's had some scoring games. And then you just you add another guy who's got experience to your roster. I mean, that's at a, at a position that's not in the backcourt. I, I think that's a, a really good centerpiece right there a guy who's been in the program for two years, who knows what normal basketball looks like at Kentucky, I think that's a big deal. 
think you make a very good case for him. Um, and obviously, I'd go Mintz fourth. So you go Mintz four. Yeah, so my fourth, I actually uh, – I'll explain why with this way. It more so has to do with Keon. But for fourth, I actually added the impact point guard piece. Um, and I – it's weird. So the way I guess I would explain this is the reason I picked Keon fifth is not because I don't think he's a good player. Matter of fact, I've pounded the drum that I hope Keon comes back for a while. I just think when you look at the roster next season, with you know Shebae will be there, and I know I know Keon's on a five, but I just think the bodies. You have Bryce Hopkins and Jacob Toppin who could both play the three. If Dante Allen's back, he's another guy who could. Now I'm not saying that any of those guys are better than Keon. That's Even where I kind of could slide to the three if you if Nance is back. Where I go is I feel like he's the most, um, I guess, expendable out of those guys is because you have other players on the roster who maybe would not do as good of a job as Keon, but I think I think you can make it work more in that scenario than some but of the others. The, but the one thing I would say about Keon is with a healthy offseason and a healthy fall, I think he has potential to be an all-SEC player. I, I did too. And, That's and why it's a hard thing. I mean, it is, and there's something to be said too about him being able to play the three and the four. You know, some interchangeable pieces there. But when you have a guy like Jacob Toppin, and then they're bringing in a guy like Bryce Hopkins, who I've actually started praising a lot more when I talked to you off air. I was talking to about it on the phone with you last night that he reminds me of Alex Poitras, not as athletic as Poitras, but a better ball handler than Poitras was. And from some of the highlight tapes, he just he just bulls like bulldozes through people. But there, there's a lot of bodies at that three four spot next year. Yeah, and, and keep in mind too, if BJ doesn't come back, I would move Brooks up considerably. Oh yeah, Sign- significantly. I yeah. looked at the reason I went with the reason I didn't go impact point guard from the portal. The reason I have it last is I feel like. All the other things, BJ, Powell, Mintz, all have to be ahead of that, in my opinion, just because the backcourt's been the biggest problem, in my opinion, with this year's team. And if you don't, if none of those three are at the top, then even adding an impact point guard, I don't really know. Like, that means Mintz wouldn't even be there if we went above or something like that. I just, uh, I've said it multiple times, though, that an Ashton Higgins would have done wonders for this team. But only does wonders for this team if B.J. Boston's there or Justin Powell's there or somebody else that can make plays in the backcourt. If your backcourt's Devin Askew, I don't know how well adding an impact point guard is going to make. I mean, you could probably add John Wall, and I don't know how much it would help Devin Askew. See, I agree with that. And that's where I'd say this, too. Regardless of who the point guard is next year, and and some people could say, well, that's that's a big – I mean, it's a very big spot, perhaps the most important spot in John Calipari's offense. Ideally, to me, the ideal scenario next year for a starting five, and this is not even including the point guard, but just just the the four of Pal, Boston, Brooks, and Sheboy or Collins, whoever is the center. Um, I, I think that is, I think you'd have a hard time finding four guys on a team in the country better than that. Yeah. If, if those are the four, uh, and I know point guard is very important, especially come late in the year. But I really just think between Hickman and Mintz, they're going to find a way. If if they don't add anybody else, maybe they're looking to. Um, and, and that's the thing with Askew, right? Like, we're not throwing Askew out of this entirely, but his role is going to be significantly different if he's in a Kentucky jersey next year. 
Like I, I don't see it being anywhere near what it was this year. I think what you're seeing now happening down the stretch is what's going to be for Devin Askew next year, maybe even less if he doesn't improve his jump shot and he doesn't become a lockdown defender. Yeah, I agree but, with that. But it's a guy, too, though, if you can hold on to and hang on to your program when you have a lot of turnover. I mean, let's say Justin Powell does come to Kentucky and ends up being an NBA pick after a year. You do lose mints. Uh, let's say Boston does come back and goes out the door. You're going to need some bodies that next season. You already obviously have Scott Clark, but you're going to need some pieces. Yeah, that that would be, and I think you can make the same case for Lance Ware. For asking where that they're, those are two guys who are going to be looking at diminished, which I mean, for where he already has had a diminished role, really. Um, obviously got in a little bit more against South Carolina than what he had been. But yeah, those are, those are two guys who, when we're talking about these scenarios, they're not going to be at the top of what needs to happen for Kentucky to be very good next year. But absolutely, come their junior season, if they're still here, could be the time when they really start to, well, start to emerge. The problem was they had to play this year and they were nowhere near ready to play this year. Devin Askew wasn't ready in game 25. Like, I mean, that's the thing. Like, he wasn't ready in game one. He wasn't ready in game 25. Like, there's a lot of improvement that needs to go into Devin Askew's game. Where has been able to play when it fits his style of play, but outside of that, not ready. Like, Kentucky needs guys that are ready if they want to change this thing, because I don't think it's – I don't think those two will be ready next year. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Um, very good. Lot, very cool, though, that you put those together. Like, I like that. Yeah, and I'd like to hear from people, too, because um, I'm sure, I mean, that's that's a very subjective thing. So everybody can have different opinions on yeah. what needs to happen. And um, there are a lot of people that believe that Junior Keon Brooks could do really big things. And I think so, too, if you put the right pieces around him. I mean, look at the improvement we've seen from his game this year to last year. And that was without being able to have any contact for months, Derek. Like, and sure, he had a he had some bad games the last couple of games, but he's he's been one of their better players all season. You've you've watched his skill set go to another level. I mean, you saw his athleticism on display at, at Vandy. I mean, you you there's always a place on your roster for a guy like that. No doubt. That's not me trying to trying to run them out of here. I just no, think it's that, not. But there's more important yeah. pieces. Yeah. Just because, uh, and I she agree with you, I like John a lot. Like, but, uh, adding Sheboy changed everything. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, he's going to fit the mold of a John Calipari center. He's going to be, uh, you know, he's not going to, he's going to be a definitely um, back to the basket on the block. You're not going to see him taking many jumpers, I don't think. Although I will say, and this means absolutely nothing, but I did see him shooting around. I think it was before the Florida game. A couple of weeks ago, he was just taking some jumpers and he was hitting everything he put up. But um, again, that was just him shooting around like anybody. Do and, and, and you know another name that we've not mentioned in all this either? Toppin. Dame that and Damian Collins. We've not even mentioned Damian Collins. Yeah, and Collins. I just I don't think um, I think if Keon comes back, I, I don't see I don't see Collins in the starting lineup unless he beats up Sheboy, which I guess could happen. I know there are some people who are crazy high on Damian Collins. I, I'm more of the opinion that he's not going to be quite ready. Um, when he gets to UK to be in a starting role. But I think having a kid like that who could come off the bench and affect the game as much as he could on defense will be oh, a yeah. major luxury for John Calipari. Yep. So we wanted to do those those couple of scenarios there, those topics, and then we also have mailbag episode here. So we're going to get into the mailbag. Um, Derek, let's start. We only have about eight questions, I think. 
So Ben says this is a follow-up to his question from last week. If you are being purely objective, would you say Nolan Hickman is closer to Shea level or closer to Devin? Devin asks you. Because rankings-wise, they are close to each other, as Derek pointed out last week. To be just totally honest, I don't know enough. I've not seen enough about Hickman. I, 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 maybe could I say somewhere in between? Can I say maybe he wouldn't emerge as a lottery pick after this year, but that he would be a more productive, give UK more than what Devin has? Can I give you one reason why that I think he would impact it better? He has more of burst and can yeah. get by his defender. That's where that's what's limited Devin Askew a lot this year, is you can't play with the ball in your hands as much as he has and not be able to beat somebody off the bounce. So I think Hickman's better there. Also, we should add, too, a lot of these national recruiting experts have been high on Nolan Hickman when Kentucky first got him. There were a couple people that were kind of eh on Askew in the fit and things before he ever got to Kentucky. We've not heard those things about Nolan Hickman. Yeah, and like I've said in the past, like Evan Daniels was, was saying, you know, Hickman could end up being the best point guard in this class. So he was voted as a McDonald's All-American, I mean, for what that's worth. Uh, Don't you miss guys like Evan Daniels and stuff popping up out there? Yeah. Like it's it's changed a lot in the last what seven or eight all months. Guys, all these guys are getting hired by by uh, either agencies or NBA teams, which which good for them. I mean, I'm sure that's a, a lucrative job offer to go do scouting for an NBA team or. Or help negotiate deals, but I don't. I actually have a pretty good feeling about Hickman. I couldn't explain it. I couldn't sit here and tell you why. I just think um, for that to come out of nowhere that early, and, and which I mean, I say early, it was August or whatever last year. But for that to be under wraps, I just I have a good feeling about him. But I know there are some people who worry about his uh, physical strength coming in. They they worry about him, you know, being able to get to his spots. Uh, but we'll have to see. He'll be a guy that. That's just why I'm not sure if Askew and Mintz both come back. I get wanting to improve your roster as much as possible. I just don't know that you add another point guard at that point through transfer. If you have Hickman, Askew, and Mintz, we can all do it. I mean, if you do add somebody, I got to say maybe maybe Askew or Mintz is not back. I mean, that, that's that's kind of where I stand on. I mean, how do you feel about that? It just seems very crowded. Super crowded. Uh, Hickman. Listed at six two on twenty four seven, so he's actually shorter than Askew. Askew's what six three, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but this is one that Tony Barbie and those guys identified early. He's a play, he's played with elite level talent, I and mean, he's played with Paolo Bencaro on uh, on the circuit. So I mean, obviously he's been alongside elite talent. He's so kind of Kansas was on him, I believe. I, th- I think he's going to be a good piece. I really do. I mean, obviously, it was Kentucky's first piece uh, to this class. So it'll be uh, interesting to see how that shakes out. But if you can get a guy like Justin Powell that just kind of adds some security there and Davion Mintz for another year, even if B.J. Boston's not there, I like how Kentucky's backcourt's starting to shape out. Uh, Speaking of uh, Justin Powell, you know, Brandon asked, you think Cal would go after Powell or wait for someone else? So we already kind of have that answer that soon as he went into the portal officially today that Kentucky obviously is pursuing that one, Derek. I, I think it makes sense for both sides. So not much to spend on your question there, Brandon. Uh, Kentucky Sports Talk asked, the likelihood of Justin Powell ending up at UK? If Powell wants to come to UK and UK is interested, yeah, I'd say pretty, I'd say pretty high. I mean – 
if Kentucky reached out to him as soon as he went into the portal, like it was reported, they want him. Then yeah, I think uh, I think Kentucky stands have a great chance. But I don't know how fast that can move. I mean, maybe that depends on how fast did Mints come to UK last year after after the world shut down. It was in April. And I remember, yeah, I could see Powell here before that. I could yeah. see Powell if he, I could see Powell. Well, it's UK or not, I could see him choosing a school before this month is over. I could too. I mean, Kentucky's in the S, in, in the SEC tournament in Nashville this week. His season's over. Kentucky season could very well be over in three Thanks. days or whatever. Thanks. So, if, yeah. So I think it could happen. Uh, I don't think he'll be waiting forever on him. Basically, no. I would be uh, if he if it's Kentucky. I think it could move pretty quickly. But obviously, with a kid of that of that type of talent, there's going to be other schools in play for him. So you want to wait and see who all reaches out, and obviously, what happens with Kentucky's roster and stuff too. I mean, we're gonna. I think if this weekend goes the way I think kind of people expect it to, I mean, obviously they have a chance to win the SEC tournament. But if they don't win the SEC tournament, we're going to get a jump start on what this roster is going to look like. I think decisions will happen sooner. And the one thing that John Calipari always does very well, Derek, is even if his team's not playing, he dominates the headlines. And I think that you could see that happen again, that Calipari will win March and April, even if Kentucky's not playing in the NCAA tournament. Obviously, fans would much rather see Kentucky playing uh, basketball into next week. I think we all would, even for this podcast and for our work, you want to see Kentucky playing. But uh, it's definitely something to follow. Uh, Jason, those, those, yeah, those NBA decisions could take a little bit longer. I was just looking up Keon last year, a guy who wasn't really thought to be uh, someone who would leave. He didn't announce his decision to come back until April seventh. Yeah. So for any of those guys, I mean, it could be. And that was during pandemic. Nobody planned or doing anything. Yeah. So I don't know where. I mean, I know some guys in the past have taken it all the way up to the deadline, which was. I, I don't even know when the draft is this year, but. Remember Hami and PJ going all the way? Hami went all the way to midnight. <laughs> yeah, so I guess not to sidetrack this, but, like, do you think with – I guess how does – I mean, the transfer portal is going to be a different element where, you know, you have guys winning earlier. Reed, Reed was a very late guy. I think he didn't commit till the summer. June, yeah. Uh, so, like, I don't like I don't see that really being the case anymore, do you? I don't see a kid like Powell going to the portal yesterday no. and not deciding on a school until May. Like, I, So well, could that speed Reed, up? Reed possibly? looked at the NBA, right? Like, didn't Reed go through the workouts and stuff? Yeah, so and I don't think his pal will do that. No. He's already in the portal. Justin Powell went into the transfer portal knowing where he wants to go, in my opinion. At the very least, a few schools. Yeah. yeah. I think every kid that goes into the portal goes into the portal. They don't go into the portal just to get in there. I honestly think that they have – they know their options. And, I mean, enough people talk, Derek, even if it's not direct contact from school to, to player – there's enough out there. If you want to find out your interest level, you can find it out pretty easily. Yeah, for sure. So I, I think that that's a situation when you see a kid go on the portal like that, I think they kind of know where they want to go. Then it just kind of all plays out on who else gets involved. But uh, Jason asked, how terrible will next year's basketball schedule be? Well, In terms of being soft, just to get wins, or is, is that <laughs> – um, that's how I, I'll take it because obviously I, there's going to be there's going to be a loaded cupcake non-conference schedule obviously because one if it's a normal basketball season UK is going to want to do what they're going to want to make up for all this money they've lost with not being able to have tickets so there's going to be a lot of non-conference home games but I'll say this 
The schedule should feature Kentucky and Duke at Madison Square Garden as part of the Champions Classic. We know it will feature Louisville coming to Rupp Arena. And then if I'm not mistaken, they go to Michigan, correct? Yeah, do they play Notre Dame again? I think that that is the following year, following I think, year. I, if so I'm they, not. They the Michigan game. Uh, they just – that was it was planned to be in Michigan, right, regardless. I know they were supposed to play in Europe this year, but they just scrapped that. Maybe, right maybe they do go to Notre Dame next year, and it's Michigan the year after. Maybe Michigan comes to Rupp next year. Let me actually try to find that. Try to add some revenue. It would seem like it'd be a good idea to get a, a really good team on the schedule, the home schedule. That was my thing with the Gonzaga stuff this year, where they talked about playing. Why not just schedule them next year? Well, and and do, do they play? Do a home and away. And what happens with the CBS Sports Classic? I mean, they moved the North Carolina game this year. I don't like that event. I hate it. I, I would I like give it. that up. Give that up and go to Chapel Hill every single year, or, and then have them come to, to Rupp. Give that up. Like you're not getting anything out of it. No, Champions Classic is cool because it starts the season and you're going to play Duke or Kansas or Michigan State, really good programs, great coaches. It's a fun way to start the year. CBS Sports Classic, it comes right before conference play usually, or right before the Louisville game really, and after you've played a bunch of cream puffs basically. So I get that it's, you know, better opponents. But Kentucky basketball fans typically I don't think are going to get that fired up to watch them play Ohio State or, I mean, even UCLA these days. I don't, I don't know. I don't like the event. I just don't think it's a – it's like a lighter version of the Champions Classic, and it doesn't get anywhere near the hype that the others get. But that's just me. I'm with you. I'd rather play any of those teams home or away instead of – It is Michigan. Team. It is at Michigan next season, December 4th. Yeah, cool. In uh, December 2023, Michigan comes to Rupp. So 2022 will be the year they go to London. So that one got moved to that. So Notre Dame, I think, would be 22-23 maybe, I think. I need to look at that for sure. That that feels like it was announced literally a year ago. Yeah. <laughs> like all of it. Like I can't even remember when that was announced. But I'm trying to think if there's any, if there, any other games on that schedule that we're leaving out that they might play. Obviously, they'll play somebody non-conference. They've played Georgia Tech. Uh, home and away, one in Atlanta. So obviously there'll be somebody there that they add. Yeah, they'll play a powerful spot. opponent somewhere. Yeah, they will. Um, but I'd love to see them give up the whole CBS Sports Classic thing. You'll have the – what do they do with the SEC Big 12 Challenge? Like, does Kentucky and Texas play this year since they didn't play – or next year since they didn't play this year? Or does Kentucky have to go on the road again because Kentucky didn't have a home game this year? Like, what do you do with that? That's two teams that – I still think it'll be if Baylor keeps doing what they're doing. I think they'll match Kentucky and Baylor. I've never been to Waco. We've Do been I to Texas. To to... <laughs> Maybe uh, I, I could see it. I just don't get that fired up about Baylor, though. I, I don't know. I'd rather go to Allen Fieldhouse. That's me talking. I don't think fans would rather watch that, but they also play Kansas a lot, so. It would be uh, a different opponent for sure. They've not played Baylor since when? Since Dallas, back in the snowstorm? Mm, yeah, they played them in, uh, yeah, that year where the women the women played right before the men. And it they went had a little run where they were playing them a lot, right? They played in the Elite Eight, then I think they played the NIT year, didn't they, at home? I yeah, lost. lost to them every time in the regular season. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, maybe it is time that they go to Waco then. Um 
because they've played them neutral courts and then, of course, home. Uh, no, I, I do think you're right. I mean, I think I think capacity will be much, much higher next year. Um, saw today that one in every four American adults have been vaccinated, so that number is rising, and I just think it'll be a much better spot for everybody. For the first yeah. time since late last summer, we're below 100 active cases in Bell County and in neighboring counties, too, around here. It's the first time in, like, six six or seven months. I hope it stays that way because yes. uh, if so, I think I think everybody's ready to get back into uh, – I think about watching these conference tournament games, man. I was watching Bryant and uh, Mount St. Mary's last night, and it's just – Bryant was going for its first ever NCAA tournament appearance, playing in an empty gym. It just sucks, you know. I get, I get that has to happen, but it's just that place would have been crazy in a normal year uh, playing at home like that. Which I brewed the stuff for a couple of weeks, so I think I've still got about 80 days or so. <laughs> so we'll, <laughs> we'll wait and see. Uh, but uh, next question, Let's see if I can find here. Keith says, seeking out a shooter, is that adding someone or writing on the wall that Dante Allen may be headed out? How are any of these shooters better than D.A.? Well, you want to take that, Sean, first? Well, I don't think it necessarily means that Dante Allen's headed out. Do you? I mean, we've we've talked about scenarios and everything with, with Dante. I mean, I think it's one to watch depending on where it goes, but Dante's a redshirt freshman that has the ability to still be a redshirt freshman next year and see where he fits in the program. I think what it's coming from, though, is if you can add a shooter that can do – two or three things well on top of being a shooter, that's what we're talking about, and that's what's being discussed, that if you you add that piece. Right now, Dante impacts the game in one way, and it's if he's hitting shots. And if he's not hitting shots, Cal doesn't feel like he can play. And and I get get that coming from a coaching standpoint. I've had kids that I've coached where I was like, I can't play this kid longer than a minute. I start freaking out, thinking that (laughs) it's it's just a different mindset. If, if If they're not doing the one thing they do well, you just you feel like you can't leave them in. But Dante, obviously, I think that he wants to feel like he has a place in this program. I don't think he's ready to give up on it yet, Derek. But depending on what happens this offseason, if there's a lot of bodies coming to the backcourt, it kind of it kind of becomes what it is. And here's the other thing. Let's say he does leave. Let's just throw it out there. But you do add a Kentucky kid and Justin Powell. How upset is the fan base? It definitely rips the Band-Aid off and puts another one on, right? Yeah. just I think your first point nailed it. Like, we just read Powell's stats. I mean, he's had multiple games where he nearly had a double-double on points and assists. And he rebounds. Marshall triple-doubles. Yeah, like he – that's why I think he's going to be appealing to Cal because he's not – yeah, he shot 44% from three. And who knows, that might have – that probably would have come down had he, you know, played a whole season. That's a very high percentage. Um but he's still – he's got a good shot. He – let's just be honest, Sean. He's, he's a better overall player. He is. All-around player than Dante is. And that's why he would be more appealing. And that question might have been asked before Powell was even in the portal. I'm not sure when that question came in. Um, that That is kind of the thing, too, is I feel like when we talk about guys potentially leaving Kentucky after this year via transfer, Maybe one or two guys – well, mainly one guy. You you could say regardless of what happens with the roster, might head out no matter what. But all these other guys, I honestly could see it being dependent on what Cal decides to do with building the roster around. I mean, 
if you do get Powell and Boston does decide to come back and Mintz does decide to come back, yeah, I think someone's going to be left out of that. And whether they want to stay or leave, I don't really know. I think they'll have a choice to make. But that's where I'm kind of at on that, where I don't think guys are just going to be bailing as soon as the season ends, no matter what. Like, I'd be surprised. And I could be wrong. But I'd be surprised if anybody, besides maybe one guy, hits the portal, like, as soon as the year's over. Um, yeah. That's where I stand on it. And Lucas Witt in the mailbag again, he says, what's the chance we get Justin Powell, and how would he fit in? Well, we've already discussed the chances, but his fit, just the things that he's able to do. You threw out his numbers there. The impact in the game, how many categories can you touch in the game of basketball? That's a huge thing, and he touches all of them, Derek. I mean, he had, but he also handled the ball a ton at Auburn before Sharif Cooper. I mean, obviously they didn't get to play – and stuff together, but the, there were some turnovers there. He had a game where he had seven, but he, look, you put him around pieces at Kentucky and those numbers go down. How would you feel, I mean, just, just for argument's sake, how, how would you feel if he was the main, I guess, do you see any option where he would be the main guy next year, or do you think they will avoid that and be able to play him off the ball? I think that if Mintz is back, I think you could see – let's look how it's going now with Mintz. The assist numbers are going up. If he has a good SEC tournament and a good close of the season running the point guard position, I think you could see Mintz play the one. But regardless, Powell is the type of kid that just makes plays. Like he makes plays for himself and he makes plays for other others. And it's kind of like a, a point forward type deal that I think that a lot of Kentucky's offense, if he is at Kentucky, it could go a lot through Justin Powell. I think B.J. would, would... – really uh, yeah. benefit so much from playing with him. Yeah, And that might be one of those things that you might want to get this done pretty quickly, right? So then when you yeah. sit down with B.J. Boston in a postseason interview and you say, hey, look, here's what we've got, kind of appealing to play with a kid like that. For sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think, uh, like we said earlier, that, that, that would be my best-case scenario for the backcourt is, is those, two, those two guys being in it in some capacity. Absolutely, and I'm trying to find the other question. Uh, so Ben had another question. We have two more, and they're both – we have to do some thinking here. Ben <laughs> says, and a more fun question, what would be your all-Cal SEC tourney starting five? So, Derek, I'm, I'm assuming Ben's wanting us to go off who made significant impacts in the SEC tournament. Like, we can't just say uh, Bam out of bio just because we want to have a, a five. So – Let's go off just performances and stuff. Obviously, a lot of it's backcourt and point guard play, and we obviously can't fill out a roster with four, four point guards. We can try. We can. Uh, <laughs> you basically I, have to get three point guards if you're going solely off performance. Yes. I'm going to go at the top of this. I will go Shea Alexander at point just because – that was the first tournament I ever covered on the UK beat, and I remember sitting there that week and the next week of the SEC tournament thinking, holy crap, this kid is really, really good. I knew it before that, but I think that's when it set into me against Tennessee and stuff that day. I was like, this kid is the real deal. SEC tournament MVP. He was a good one. Keep going. Name off some of your others. I'm looking uh, up. I'll throw Darius Miller in there in 2011. I'll go Darius. Just because he came out of nowhere 
and ended up getting tournament MVP, and that kind of led to what happened the next year at UK. So I'll throw that in there. Man, Dominique Hawkins had a heck of a run, too, in 2017. If we're just going off straight, just performances that you'll never forget. But winning Gabriel today makes three years since he went 7-7 seven of seven from three against Alabama. So mm-hmm. there's quite a few in there if you're wanting to go positions. Uh, oh, man. I'm going to have to put a point guard at the two, right? I'm actually going to go with Jamal Murray there. And Jamal Murray did not – Tyler Ellis. Holy uh, cow, I forgot all about Jamal Murray. So, Murray did not have a great championship game against Texas A&M, uh, that overtime game. He only, he only shot 5 for 14 and scored 17, but the two games before, he was great. He went 8 for 15, hit five threes against Alabama, finished with 23 points, and then against Georgia in the semifinals, 8 for 12, 3 for 7 from 3, 26 points. So, he scored 49 points to the first two games. That's That was, that was getting it done at the two spot. So he was somebody I thought of just because I love that backcourt of Ulyss and Murray. Am and, I going to have a list that doesn't have Tyler Ulyss on it? How is that possible? That's, that's who I would go with. And that's like leaving off John Wall and Shea, though. I mean, it's, it's tough. There's some really good players. But Ulyss was – his numbers were obviously better. And he affected Brandon Knight was really good, too, that year, wasn't he? Wasn't he pretty good in 2011? Yeah. I mean, They're all good. And in 2012, you kind of cross out because they lost it. So I'm only going on the years that they won it. Uh what about 2015? What did, you know, Willie? Probably Stein was, yeah, he would probably be the five. Yeah, that's where I, I was going to look at Julius Randle's numbers real quick. SEC tournament numbers, Julius. Ooh, ooh, Julius did not have a great. Uh, ooh, Julius went one for seven against Florida in the championship game. I don't remember that. All I remember is James Young slipping. I got to say, Julius is not going to make the team. Scoring uh, <laughs> four points. Uh didn't, only had seven rebounds, but he did have a double-double game one, 17 and 16 against LSU. That's a good job. And then 12, yeah, I mean, shoot. I mean, maybe I read him off too soon. You don't Two want Ron Harrell as your point guard? Who? You don't want Ron Harrell as your point guard? I don't want Harrell on there. He's not going to be on the team. Um, I, I'm just going to name my five, I guess, and I, I don't even really know at this point. Uh, even so, though I just said Julius wasn't going to make the team. I mean, he did have a couple double-doubles. I feel like I'm forgetting some guys. But I would take Euless Murray, Darius Miller, since he won 2011 MVP. Kali Stein at the center spot just because he also won an MVP. Actually, I'm going to play Miller at the four, and I'll just throw John Wall in there because how can you not have John Wall on your team, you know? That's what I was so, going to do. I, was I don't know if it's a great constructed team, but that those are the three point guards I would take. Or, sorry, uh, two point guards, Euless Wall, and then Murray, Miller, and Kali Stein. Yeah, and I, I'm going to go. Somebody's going to tweet at us and be like, this guy had three straight doubles. Some guy we're forgetting who just tore it up that I just don't remember. I'm trying to think if we forgot. How was De'Aaron Fox? And then, he won MVP, but I don't remember. I don't have his numbers pulled up. I'll go. I'm going to go Euless at point. I changed it. I will move Shea to the two. I think that's a good move. And then I'll play Murray at the three, Miller at the four, and Collie Stein at the five. Man, Julius Randle was a double-double machine. But you know what people are going to say? Miller didn't have the best tournament in 2012 either. Remember, he had to get going in the championship game, so somebody's going to say that. But if you give me 2011 Darius Miller, I'll take it. And then Dominique Hawkins, honorable mention right there, six-man. You give me a six-man off the bench. I, I mean, Dominique Hawkins is right there. I mean, how we're leaving out John Wall, DeMarcus. Look at the names. The, what Cal has done is incredible the talent that's come through this program. We don't talk enough about Julius Randle. 
No, we we, we don't. His numbers are insane. He's just a uh, double-double every time he steps on the floor, and nobody ever talks about it. And I know he's having a fantastic NBA season this year. The night they played Michigan State in the Champions Classic, I remember sitting there thinking, this is so much fun to watch this guy go to work. And that was when Kentucky didn't look good at all, and it was just him just wheeling them uh, to a position to win that game, which they didn't win. Yeah. Incredible. So we have one more question, and it comes from – see if I can find it here. I had it. Where is it? Oh, from Shane. This is our uh, brain buster. Remember, this is the ones that we get with the Willie Cauley-Stein uh, dunks and the Malik monk Tyler Ewis comparison and all that stuff. So he oh, says another – it says, another brain buster for Kentucky Daily. By the way, this is the first time I'm reading it, so I have no idea what this says. So this is, you're going to get my immediate reaction. Cal has been known to be rather animated on the sideline. What is your favorite Cal moment as media personnel? Mine was 2011-12 at LSU when Anthony Davis got pulled from behind on a fast break by both shoulders, and Cal moved faster than De'Aaron Fox ever could to Anthony Davis and stood between him and LSU in a very audible throw his Bush League ass out. To the ref was hurt. <laughs> There are funnier moments, but I enjoy this one because he was protector in the moment, not coach. <laughs> That's a good question. Oh, I'd have to think about it. Oh, man. I'm thinking here. There's been so many. <laughs> All the times he jumps, funny to me, like just, just jumping. I remember just – there's so many. When when Sasha Kalia Jones had his really cool lob dunk against Davidson in the NCAA tournament, he couldn't even enjoy it because Cal was yelling at him for hanging on the rim. I'll never forget it. It was like the best moment of Sasha's career, and Cal is losing his mind on the sidelines. And I, I don't know. I'm trying to think of some some moments. Do you remember – I don't remember the exact exchange. Jerry Tipton asked – I know some people don't like Jerry, which is whatever. Um, I think I Jerry's Jerry. a very good reporter. I think he's very funny. Uh, yeah, I love Jerry. Exchanges with Cal. It was – it had to do with Bruce Pearl. I can't remember when it was. I think it was the year that the Tyler Hero was there. And Bruce Pearl had some kind of quote where he was like, I like to think that the things that I, – I don't. I can't remember the exact quote, and that's what's not – it's not make the story not funny to people listening. But basically Jerry asked him why Cal was so unlikable. Or something like that. You remember that in a press yeah. conference? And I remember that was a pretty funny moment. And he, I think he had some more exchanges with Jerry before I ever got on the beat when I was still in high school. I think he had some pretty good ones that are on YouTube if you go look them up. Some good exchanges. And there was one time where I think it was the NIT year where Cal was like, we've proven we can beat anybody. And Jerry, we can lose anybody. And Tiffin said, well, you're proven that. <laughs> So, <laughs> there was, uh, I guess between those two that, that I remember. But on the court, I mean, I ended up in a video uh, when he kissed Nick Richards in the tournament there against Kansas State. I was in the background with my fellow Courier Journal buddies, uh, John Hell and Fletcher Page. Um, you laughed in the video, too. You can see you start to grin. Yeah. <laughs> so, he's giving Nick a little kiss on the forehead for good luck. I can't remember what Nick did when he got in there. Nothing. Nothing that made it worth writing about after, I have to say. But uh, good question again. I, if I had more time to think about it, maybe I – And I'm going to think more about it. Yeah. But I'm going to go him 
I'm going to go him getting tossed at South Carolina Tower use this year because his his shirt's untucked and everything, and he looks like he's already been in a fight. And I I just think that that it's so funny to watch him get really animated and upset. But I'm like whenever he's gone, the whole stomping and running up the entire sideline to yell go. Like I'll, it, it just. How many times have me and you been sitting there at Rupp and we look and say he's at half court? He's standing on the other side of half court. Yeah. He was almost in somebody's coach's box earlier this season. I can't remember who, which game it was. I looked up and I said he's in the other coach's box. He's had some, uh, yeah, he's had some, some good ones. I know the year they made the run in 2014, his hip was all banged up, so I don't think he could get into it as much as he would have liked. He ended up having to get surgery, I think, after that year. Him running onto the floor to, to hug Alex Poitras in the NCAA tournament. Dear, uh, DeAndre Liggins, the kiss that he, he gave him in 2011. Those are cool moments, but not as funny. But I think him getting tossed in his shirt being untucked and, you know, Murray and Ulyss and them guys just standing there trying to kind of hold him back like they're real, like Cal's really going to go fight someone. Yeah, he's been animated for sure. I, I like that in a college basketball coach. I mean, I, I like seeing some animation on the sidelines, I guess. I mean, being stoic is fine, too. I mean, Brad Stevens never never showed any hint of emotion, yet he took Baylor – or, sorry, Butler to uh, back-to-back championship appearances. So, good question again. Keep, keep them coming. I, I like I like having to think about these. So, sorry I couldn't give any better ones, but – I'm going to do some thinking of that, too, and I might come up with one tomorrow if I've – can remember one. Uh, there's some good ones. Him getting mad at Carl Anthony Towns at LSU in 2014, 2015 was a good, was a good one too. He was really upset with him. I can't remember what the play was, but I just remember him being very, very mad. So there, there's some good ones out there. Um, I would like to know some things that Cal says. I remember, I remember sitting in Cal's house a couple of years ago after the SEC tournament, and there was a national reporter. I won't say his name. Uh, but Cal was sitting there talking to Ellen and somebody, and he was just like, I'll, I'll never forget. <laughs> Were you still there when he said it? I don't know. It was me. I think Brian Milan was sitting beside me. A lot of people had been leaving, but I was sitting there talking to somebody, and he was talking about somebody that said something about him, and somebody had already tried calling him, and he said something along the lines of, I, don't, I can't remember what it was, but it, it was so funny because it was one of the most raw, uncut things. And then you know Cal's opinion of someone. And yeah. then we're just sitting there in the house, and he's like, I can't stand when he calls. I don't even answer the phone half the time. Like, it was a national broadcaster. Wow. No, I wasn't there for that. No. I won't I won't say a name. It was funny. I, it, he was just annoyed because he's like, yeah, he he said something along the lines. He, he pumps us up to our face, but then when we, get, when we get on TV during a halftime show or something, he just throws us under the dirt or something like that. And I'm just sitting here listening to this, and I'm like, he's really upset about it. <laughs> Coaches, man, you know how they are. Yeah. Well, we wanted to hop on here. This has been another long episode. Mailbag days are always long, but we moved it up to Wednesday because we honestly we're we're planning on Kentucky beating Mississippi State. Honestly, I think we're both picking that one to happen. So if it does, there'll be more to talk about on Friday besides just mailbag, uh, and we'll get to another mailbag episode next week. But uh, buckle up. Lock in, lock in with us the next few days. Could be an exciting ride. If not, and Kentucky loses early, my suggestion would be to just sit back and relax because some things I, I believe some things are starting to kind of turn and work out to where 
I, I'm going to go out and say that this season does not happen again. Uh, if it does, I don't think uh, this podcast may suffer. Yeah, I don't. I can't. I can't imagine that it, there's another season this poor. I mean, you got to think in a normal year, just with the normal schedule and some of the teams they'll play, they'll have no no problem whatsoever getting the ten wins. So, more so the conference record. I I don't think they'll have another losing conference record with Cal here. Just just no way. I can see that happening. No. So uh, we'll see exactly what happens in Nashville. Uh, that tournament starts today with uh, Vanderbilt and Texas A&M playing, I think, tonight. Mm-hmm. And then Kentucky and Mississippi State tomorrow. Uh, we'll get things started on Thursday. Uh, we, this, we just want to hop on here, make sure we hit everything. Uh, thank also, you. Uh, a little programming note. Um, I don't know how much you come of this because Kentucky's playing basketball tomorrow, but some of the early and release for the football team will be available to the media. That's right, uh, right after the game. Yeah, so we might have some stuff on Friday. Depending, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, that might be something we talk about more next week. But just a heads up, if you're one of the uh, people who love Kentucky football who listen to this, that there will be, you know, you'll hear from Wondell Robinson tomorrow, most likely, and a couple of those other kids who, as media, we have not talked to yet. So, stream balls right around the corner, Sean. It'll yeah, be and, on, and on top of that, I have an interview with Craig Skinner, UK volleyball coach Craig Skinner, tomorrow at 11:45. So I will literally be wrapping up an interview with with Craig right as Kentucky's taking the floor in Nashville to play. So we'll get that interview to you probably on Friday. I will probably run it as a special early Friday morning, in addition to whatever else that we record. So make sure if you're listening to this podcast for the first time, just hammer that subscribe button, regardless if it's on Spotify. Apple Podcasts, Google, it doesn't matter. Uh, we will announce whenever the official migration over to Blue Wire happens. That should be coming very soon. Derek and I are actually kind of looking forward to every, any day now, but now that we're to a point to where it's going to be nonstop content between now and kind of Selection Sunday, we'll have to wait and see if that move will be made by the first part of next week. But we will keep you updated on that. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. You've been listening to Kentucky Daily. We'll catch you tomorrow. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.